Welcome to Elementary Talks, the podcast that connects marketing, design, and development experts to help you build better websites. Matt Medeiros is the proud owner of one of the longest-running WordPress podcasts and blog, The Matt Report, active since 2010. Matt is also an account executive at Pagely, a leading WordPress hosting platform. In our talk, Matt walks us through how he landed top guests for his podcast back when he had no connections. He also explains how being well-known for his podcast helped him land big clients, and how B2B is not as different to B2C as is commonly thought. All in all, Matt offers a riveting perspective on how to do successful networking and succeed through making connections. Without further ado, here's our talk. Hello and welcome to another episode of Elementor Talks. And with me is Matan. Hi, Matan. Hi, Ben. And we have a, a very special guest today. And this is a podcast, but he is really the podcast king of WordPress, you may say. So hi to Matt Medeiros. Gentlemen, thanks for having me on the show. I wouldn't go as far as king. I would say maybe court gesture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. But you actually uh, have a long history of podcasting uh, since 2012? Yeah, yeah, as far as back as it goes, yep. So tell us how that uh, first happened. Yeah, I mean, the story sort of goes where I was starting an agency back then, WordPress agency, and uh, there were some other uh, rock stars uh, in my area at the time, uh, most notably folks like Jay Tripp, Jesse Friedman, uh, of course, uh, the folks over at 10Up starting up their uh, agency at the time. And I saw the connection that folks like Jake Goldman had, and I said, there's no way I can reach the same amount of people that that Jake can, and I, and I saw how fast his agency was growing, and I saw what Jay Tripp was doing and all these other folks, but they were all like really connected to the developers of WordPress, and there was no real WordPress podcast at the time uh, dating back then, and I remember going to a WordCamp and, and seeing people just in awe of all of these other WordPress folks, and I said, you know what, I, I think I'm going to start like a blog or something. I'm going to highlight, I'm going to profile these individuals in the WordPress community. Maybe that's how I can get connected to the WordPress community. But back then I was, and still am, heavily connected to podcasts, listening to podcasts all the time. And there was this one that I was really tuned into called Mixergy. He was doing a lot of startup interviews. And I said, well, maybe I'll just be the, I'll try to be like the Mixergy of WordPress to the point where I was like copying absolutely everything that uh, Andrew Warner was doing on Mixergy. And that's sort of how the ball started. I knew one person, my first guest was Jesse Friedman, uh, who now notably works for Jetpack. And I just knocked on the doors of all these people that I just found on Twitter and at WordCamps and said, hey, you want to join this podcast? And that's how the ball got rolling. It was really just a way to identify and, and connect with people in the community. That's great. And you, uh, so you kind of uh, cold called them and uh, approached each that's one? That's correct. Yeah. Did, did, you have a, did you have a direction as to, to which guests uh, took your uh, you know, interest? No, you know, it was really just, it was really just that it was cold calling and say, Hey, I, I see you on Twitter. I mean, back then I was, you know, you were heavily exploring Twitter, you know, you were searching for hashtags, you were searching for terms, you were trying to reach out to connect people. Cause even back then Twitter was a young social platform. And um, that's all I was doing. I was just searching for people. And then at the end of the show, I would just ask people, Hey, who, who do you think should be on the show? And that's how I made other connections. Um, but I remember reaching out to uh, my first, you know, quote, unquote, big WordPress guest was uh, Brian Clark uh, f uh, of Copyblogger. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, and I remember, and this was still in the early days, it might have been around, you know, episode 20-ish, uh, 20-ish, between 20 and 30. And I just remember being just so nervous at the time, right? Just talking to somebody who's sort of, who was making it in the WordPress world, doing a lot of uh, revenue, had a lot of customers. Um, and, you know, it, just breaking through that as time went on to just, uh, you know, connecting with people and, and sort of not being afraid you know, of these cold calls. And, and it was just that, it was just busting through with cold calls and, and making those connections. So, uh, and you had, since 2012, you had an interesting, uh, or before, you had a very varied career. I mean, you were, uh, <laughs> you, you were the developer. That's the nicest anyone's ever put it that way. <laughs> so, so you founded the Constructor, Conductor? Conductor, yep. And uh, you had a theme company, which later you uh, pivoted to be a, a digital agency. So how was, run us through the, the, that journey. It seems uh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, I mean, I, I grew up in sales and entrepreneurship all my life. Uh, my family owned car dealerships and I kind of grew up in the car uh, industry and selling cars. About five years or four or five years before General Motors um, went bankrupt in the big financial crisis, uh, we my father and his brothers, we got out of the car dealership. And uh, I was working at an ISP, an internet service provider at the time. I was a product manager there. And I was just doing things with technology, with open source stuff. Um, I was running their hosting. And then we, we purchased a, a digital agency. Or actually, we purchased another ISP that came with a digital agency. Uh, and again, you have to remember, this is like 20 years ago. So things were a lot different back then. Um, yeah. But they had just brought on WordPress. And uh, they were going from a Drupal shop to a WordPress shop. And uh, that's how I got my feet wet with WordPress. Sort of got out of that business because uh, there, was some, there was some strife with the local owners of that business. And then my father was getting out of the dealership. He was always in pro photography. And uh, he started just, you know, taking photographs of, of people. He was sort of quote unquote retired at the time. And uh, I remember his first, one of his first photography gigs, the person said, hey, it was for jewelry, right? It was for like high-end jewelry. Um, and it's like this tourist area of where we live. And they were like, Hey, can you build a website for us too? When, for these photos, he didn't know how to do it. He reached over to me and asked me to do it. And, um, that's how the, that was like the first project that the, that the agency got. And we saw what we could do with that. And that's how the agency started from that one first little side gig and we sort of built it up over there. It still runs uh, today. He still, he still runs the agency, a couple developers and designers that work over there. But over the years, yeah, you know, starting many things, many products, digital products, um, themes, plugins, doing all of that stuff in the WordPress world was fun. Even before that, I was selling Drupal themes before I even got into the WordPress world. Um, we sold one of the first Drupal themes before like Envato was even around. It was, it was pretty crazy back then. The, the wild uh, west. Yeah. The wild, yeah. The wild west of using eJunkie to deliver files and, and take transactions. But I've always been building businesses, uh, trying things here and there. So you actually teamed up with your father. Yeah, yeah, that's how the agency about that. That's interesting, you know, the, the generation gap, you know, when approaching a new digital business. I'm kind of curious to know how it worked out. Yeah, so I've always worked with my father um, because of the, the car dealerships that we had. Uh, I just grew up working uh, in that business from, you know, uh, doing landscaping around the dealership to cleaning cars, to delivering parts, to selling cars. And it was always a, a family-owned business. Um, so we already had that, uh, the good and bad of that relationship already cemented uh, for many years uh, before we started the digital agency. Um, props to my father because he, you know, he had always been a guy that was into computers. 
I mean, he wasn't like a tech head, but he just, he always had, like, I remember, you know, uh, I remember he had a, a laptop. He brought one home, his first laptop and it. It was a Canon laptop that had a printer in it. Okay. Oh, wow. and, it, it, and it was, and I remember him setting it up like on like, bridge. yeah, like I remember him setting it up on the dining room table and it had a, uh, a, a mouse that had it was a wired mouse that you held in your hand it was like a joystick it was, it was actually a mouse a real yeah. mouse <laughs> <laughs> yeah it probably was um but he was always into tech he was always interested in it and uh you know when the when i was working day full-time at the agency he would focus more on the small business uh side of the house right the small business projects the uh the local because he had so many connections with local businesses growing up uh himself in the car dealership and uh, I would take on more of the technical projects, right? The, um, the larger scale, you know, WordPress integrations into a, a corporation or marketing automation stuff. Um, you know, I was working with our developers on the themes and the plugins. So it, 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 it went fine, you know, until I sort of left the company a couple of years ago uh, to start focusing my work over at, at Pagely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so tell us a bit about that. that that's like, uh, is that something you that occupies because you still have your uh, podcast and uh, mm -hmm. so how do you manage between all the different tasks yeah so I do a lot of content creation um, I'm lucky enough that Josh and Sally who own and operate Pagely um, allow me to do that and uh, so number one I would say that if it weren't for the way that the culture of that company would probably be difficult to do <laughs> um, yeah. but se uh, but second you know going to Pagely is just another step in the chapter of, you know, what I'm still consider myself a, an entrepreneur. I'm still creating content. I'm still helping people. I still mentor folks uh, at a local accelerator. I'm still heavily vested in seeing the growth and positive change that businesses can bring, uh, especially in my local, uh, uh, local area. But no different with the Merit Report, still covering WordPress topics, still talking about that and helping uh, share some educational points to businesses that are uh, just launching. So, uh, managing it is is fairly fairly easy. I mean, you guys know running a podcast, it, scheduling here and there, and uh, having the interview you know might take up a couple hours a week with some editing. It's not too heavy in terms of uh, you know can I manage this day to day with with the Pagely stuff. And uh, like, what, how does your typical day look like? <laughs> uh, so it's pretty sporadic. Um, since I do mostly sales at Pagely, it's it's really dependent on how many calls I have booked. Uh, that day. And uh, that's when I sprinkle in the, uh, the mix of, of content creation, specifically with the Matt reports, you know, uh, as you know, the tools, the tooling around the internet makes it really, really easy. Things like Zapier and Calendly, and I can just connect all my calendars together and have somebody fill out a form and all my calls are booked through Calendly at Pagely and all my podcast interviews are same way. So I can kind of keep the, the flow of things uh, pretty seamless. Uh, but it's really dependent on how many calls uh, I'm talking. I'm, I'm actually on the calls uh, that day to really fill up the uh, fill up the calendar. I have ventured into building out a local podcast as well uh, for the entrepreneurship stuff that's happening in my local area. I'm just an hour south of Boston, but I'm only running that about once a month in terms of recorded podcasts. So that is still pretty pretty lightweight, and and that's been a, a fun uh, journey as well. But uh, yeah, I keep things pretty pretty even with with my calendar. The transition from uh, you know from being your the, leading your business to being like uh, an employee, how how did you find that? Uh, it, you know, it's it's well. Number one, I would say the culture fit with Pagely is 
is what really makes it it work. You know, I, I, I would imagine, and I'm not speaking for my, my employer, Josh, but I would imagine that he kind of realizes that if I'm, I'm still doing the things that I do with the Matt Report, it's still some good uh, exposure for, for his business as well. You know, so he, he doesn't really, he's not like, Hey, how many podcasts are you recording this week? Make sure you're, you know, you're, you're doing sales calls. Cause that's never really an issue with me, but you know, I, I would say it's, it's, it's been pretty seamless over at Pagely. In fact, it's one of the most, I guess the, the weirdest thing is when you're a entrepreneur and you're running everything. So you're doing your accounting, you're doing your marketing, you're doing your project management, you're doing all this stuff. You're wearing all these hats you're inclined to want to figure out everything in your business where the biggest challenge for me was coming over to Pagely. It's like, well, I don't lead marketing anymore. You know, I'm not the, the head of sales. I, I have a director of sales that works above me. And these challenges are being solved by a group of people now. And that was sort of like, you know, the strange things like, oh my God, there's, there's like 20 other people that I can meet with to, to overcome these challenges. And that was like a, a breath of fresh air versus being the only person in the room to solve a, a particular issue, you know, whether it's a marketing thing or a sales thing. It has its drawbacks. I mean, you have to uh, go through other channels and, and, you know, the group mind and uh, kind yeah. of get everyone in tune. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say that, that I guess that could be an issue maybe for some places. And, you know, I did talk to a few other companies before finalizing with Pagely and those types of challenges I could sense uh, when I was talking to either leaderships of other leadership roles of other companies or management at other companies. And I knew that wasn't going to be a good fit for me. Other companies didn't want me to do my podcast anymore or do any content creation. Mm. I was like, you know, that's really, really not a good, uh, not a good fit for me. So um, yeah, settling on Pagely was, was really an ideal situation. Your, your audience for the podcast is, uh, I would say, uh, if you agree, I would say, you know, entrepreneurs and perhaps small businesses. Uh, so how did you, I mean, and Pagely and uh, these sort of companies, uh, hosting companies cater to, you know, uh, enterprises. Uh, is that right to say? Yeah. So, yeah. So there's not really a crossover. Um, well, one would think there's not a crossover on the show versus uh, who Pagely deals with. And yes, you're right. Pagely deals with mostly uh, medium business to enterprise folks who want a certain degree uh, of quality of support and service with their hosting. That being said, I was talking uh, just last week to a couple, uh, to a team of people actually for, for a pretty big brand name e-commerce store. And I remember doing like this whole you know, my typical sales pitch, I go through all the, the slide deck and all the stuff, all the stuff about Pagely and everything. And we had some DevOps people on the call. And before we wrapped up, their senior developer from that company was like, hey, Matt, I just want to say that you know, I listen, I've been listening to your podcast for years. I really love what you do in the WordPress community, all this stuff. And it's like, oh, wow. How about that? Right. This is a, this is a pretty big corporation. And the, yeah. the WordPress developer was listening to the show. And that really gave me a lot of you know, clout in that call, right? They trust me a lot more, which is the same way I leverage the podcast with my agency, right? When people would say, why should I hire you? You know, you're a smaller agency. We're looking at this other agency. They get a big portfolio of customers. I would always say, well, look, I've got hundreds of shows in iTunes. If you want to see how I do business, you can just go listen to me. You know, you can just go see how I operate, how I do all this stuff. It's uh, transparent. Yeah. And I, there's, a, there's kind of a talk now in the industry that, B2B is becoming uh, B2C because of technology and because of podcasts and uh, technology in general, then uh, eventually to, to reach the people 
high-end in enterprises and medium-sized companies, you still have to use the same tactics of B2B. Uh, B2C, I call, yeah, I mean, I, I call that, what I call it is the digital handshake. And, you know, when I go back to selling cars, I don't know if you guys have ever bought cars or have gone through that experience or ever sold cars, but when you walk up to somebody who's looking at a car, now I live in the Northeast of the U.S., uh, you know, after November, it's freezing cold. It's, you know, nobody wants to be bothered, you know, when they're looking at a car outside, they're, they're, they're freezing cold. You, you're walking up to somebody, you can see their body language, you can mm, yeah. reach out and, and shake their hand. And within those, literally those two seconds, and even maybe even shorter, there is so much that you learn from being in person, shaking somebody's hand, how they shake your hand, how they look at you, how they don't look at you. I'm looking at creating content and other mechanisms, but content specifically as that digital handshake. You get to see people, you get to trust them, you get to you know, reach out and shake their hand digitally to see what they're gonna be like, see what this relationship is gonna be like. And um, that's exactly it. People wanna know who they're buying from these days for the most part. Uh, they wanna know that they trust and that there's a, a certain vision behind their, their business, behind their product, and that they align with those goals. Nobody, I think people are getting a little tired of the, the faceless organization that they purchase from. So why do agencies or why should agencies uh, turn to WordPress? I mean, that's a big, uh, big question, I think, uh, in the minds of, of, uh, of companies like Pagely. So, you know, it's funny. It's, I think things are, are certainly more volatile uh, these days uh, with, with WordPress and, and the direction that it's going. I think the, the easy answer is the flexibility, uh, the accessibility to, to the code and to the developers and the community, um, the platform itself. You know, I think it really depends on, on the agency. Um, I think we're seeing more and more where agencies are actually raising WordPress to be like a more premium tier for most customers uh, these days, from, especially from the folks that I talk to. And they're bringing in either, you know, some smaller flat file CMS for the real easy customers. But I think nowadays people are looking at WordPress as something that is a lot more robust and a bigger solution for customers, like a true content management system. It's just funny to say because how, how old WordPress is. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the accessibility of, of developers, code, plugins, you know, reaching out to a community, the opportunity obviously is still there uh, with WordPress. I just see agencies positioning it uh, slightly different these days. Yeah, it, it it definitely takes time for uh, um, you know technology to to catch up to people to people catching up to technology. And here I I, I can I want to segue to actually commend you for uh, being honest because you actually posted a video uh, about <laughs> uh, and I'll give a bit of background when. Elementor came out, it was a big, like a big, there was a big question. We came out of pretty much nowhere. So you, after a while, you put out a video recently saying you made a mistake and you <laughs> evaluate, I'll let you tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a step back to how, when did you guys launch? Like two, three, two years, three years ago, two or three yeah, years ago, 2016, mid 2016. So that's at 2016 is probably arguably the height of just people starting to really push into page builders. And I won't name them because this is your show, but there's plenty out there. And yeah. at that time, it was almost like we were just exhausted from 
so many page builders. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and this is nothing, nothing wrong. I mean, that's when you want, probably when you want to get into it, you guys are a lot smarter than me, but that's probably when you wanted to get into it. And it was just like, man, can I handle another page builder? Do I want to handle another page builder? And I was deeply vested in one um, because yeah, I already had a, a relationship. I had a connection and I just said, well, I, I there's just so many for me to, to, to use and to look at. I really need to, to just focus on one uh, because I would say that the, the argument is that in this ecosystem of page builders, I still feel like people switch way too fast. You know, starting my YouTube channel, the only thing I can compare this to is like cameras, right? I fell into exploring digital cameras and mirrorless cameras. And I see these people like flip-flopping entire camera systems, which costs thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars if you buy all the equipment. And then people are just like, no, you know what? There's a better one that just came out. I'm going to switch to this one. It's like, how, right. how are you switching so fast? And I, I, I just felt like I didn't want to, to, to fall into that. Um, you know, because you guys were just starting out, but here we are fast forward two years later. And, you know, obviously the, the name is, has grown. I mean, you've been name dropped by Matt Mullenweg. Why he hasn't bought you guys yet is sort of a head scratcher for me, but you can't <laughs> afford it. Uh, you can't afford it. But I'm, I'm curious to know, like, what was the, uh, you know, the tipping point, the realization that you said, okay, like, was there a feature or was there, what's the point that you said? Okay. Yeah. So I think what really caught my eyes when you when you guys launched the pop-up yeah the pop-up you know, pop feature and I was like well let me just take a look at it and I started to look at what you were doing in your approach to marketing number one I revisited the site obviously and I still saw that your entry level point was 50 bucks and I was like I can't believe this is still 50 bucks Maybe you can't believe it's still 50 bucks either. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, okay. So they're still at the $50 level for, you know, for one domain. So that's accept, you know, that's reasonable, very reasonable, I'd say. And then started to look at the pop-up builder. And then I saw just the way that you were, <clears throat> excuse me, the way that you were packaging the product, the way you were marketing it, the, the way that you were talking about, you know, the one-click features and like the one, one-click dial features, right? And, you know, this is probably something that's native to, a phone, like an Android phone or an iOS phone, but it was just the way that you were presenting this as a all-in-one encompassing solution. I was like, you know what? That's, that's pretty smart, right? That's pretty smart of them to not just focus he heavily on design and, and the WordPress geekery of templates and things like that. I mean, yes, you can do it all, but having this one-stop solution for somebody who's building a website who wants it to perform for them, you know, not just speed, but to market and capture emails, create leads, I would probably argue your next step is probably e-commerce, right? I don't want to push your development team too hard, but you're probably going to want to introduce something where people can sell product. We, we've dabbled there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think uh, yeah, WordPress is, uh, and I, I wonder what your perspective on this is. WordPress has, has matured in terms of people building websites. Uh, also, their needs have, have evolved and uh, the types of, uh, the level of design and marketing tools they need also scale so how do you see today's market of building websites like uh in relation to how it was a few years ago my overall thought process and all of this stuff is is how an end user experiences all of this stuff and i think that is that's the most critical component and i and obviously folks like you and, and other builders and and matt at automatic have all recognized this is how one experiences from start to finish building their website. So 
I've been mentoring at this local accelerator for the last four years, and it's always a, a cohort of 15, 15 or so, 12 to 15 businesses, startups in this accelerator. And they're not all technology. In fact, a slim margin are just technology. These are traditional businesses, restaurants, lawyers, uh, medical. They all have an interesting twist. But anyway, the point is they're not technical. And when they go through this cohort or when they go through the 90-day sprint of this accelerator and they have to launch a website with all the other stuff they have going on, they are not looking at WordPress. Right? There's no way that they're going to touch WordPress because it's still way too difficult for these people who are launching yeah. these businesses to handle this. They're still figuring out their legal, their accounting, their taxes, all this stuff. Oh, yeah. So Wix, Squarespace are the, the clear winners in that direction. Mm. Um, I would yeah. say that, you know, and you guys are obviously doing a good job at it, doing a great job at it. Um, when you can package up this experience of you don't need to leave us to get all these other things to make your website work, that's the crucial part, right? That's, I mean, that's a big bulk of user adoption right there. You know, and I think that that's the impetus, you know, behind Gutenberg and, and what, we're, what we see with the combo of Jetpack and Gutenberg. And certainly, I would imagine you will face stiff competition with those types of users. I don't know. You see the data. I don't. But I think it's all about the experience and the, the most, more seamless you, you guys and, and other product owners out there can make it, the, the better it'll be. Uh, for both, for for the end user and, you know, obviously for your companies. Yeah. Uh, I don't I know mean, if that answers your question, but that's that's what's I, always on top of my mind. I think it's part of the, the answer. I mean, it's definitely the entrepreneurs and people uh, that build their own sites, but also uh, the professionals, uh, the, the designers and, and marketers whose job is also getting more and more uh, demanding and more, you know, they need to know more technologies and they need to streamline their workflow. So that's, that's the, the second, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the only, the, uh, the thing to add on to your, to your answer too, is that they need to have the, the tooling that they can count on, you know? So I would say that I saw a lot of people's, you know, again, I, I hate to keep bringing up the G word on your show, but when Gutenberg came out, I saw a lot of people say, I'm going all in Gutenberg. Okay. Makes sense. I get it. I understand. It's in WordPress core and it will be in WordPress core. But to make a major shift into building, I saw people building out, you know, full scale projects with Gutenberg. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty scary because we don't know where Gutenberg is going. It's still in its infancy. And I think that people, the professionals like the agencies, designers, developers, they really need to keep their customer in mind for the long haul, right? They need to understand that, look, I'm going to make this solution. Like I'm going to pick Elementor. I'm going to stick with it. And in a year, I'm not switching out, right? There needs to be some kind of uh, long-term support, right? LTS in this kind of uh, solution. I think that a lot of agencies need to keep that in mind. I see so many people jumping from one platform to the next and it sort of makes my head hurt. <laughs> oh yeah. That pivoting is definitely a sign of, uh, of uh, you know, not the best strategy. Right. Well, Matt, we are running out of time, but it's really a pleasure uh, talking to you and we'd love to have you again in the show. And how can people uh, reach you on Twitter, Instagram, or uh, on your different uh, podcasts and uh, platforms? Yeah. If you go to crafted by Matt, like craft beer, crafted by Matt.com, it's everything that I do, including the Matt Report. You can find me at Pagely and on Twitter at Matt Medeiros. Okay, that's great. So, Matt, thank you for being on uh, our show. And until next time, thanks everyone for tuning in.
Thank you, Matan. Thank you, Ben. Uh, so, Matt, goodbye. Take care. And have a great week. Bye-bye.